0: Well, howdy, and welcome to another edition of Railfan Roberts Reading Railroad. Chapter 10 We Steal Aboard the Yacht. When we arrived at the inn, I asked, What was the secret plan you and the constable discussed? Basil smiled. Curiosity killed the cat, you know. Tonight will tell the tale. Well, for the rest of the afternoon, we lounged in our rooms. Basil put on his Angora robe and curled up in a chair for a much-needed cat nap. At five, he awoke and dressed. We descended to the dining room. Eat heartily, advised my friend. I don't know when or where we'll be having our next meal. Promptly at six, he said, none too softly. The time is ripe. When the terrible three dine at the flying squirrel, you and I will board their yacht. Basil! You should have lowered your voice, he winked. Do you really think so? Come along. We walked to the very end of town and continued on until we came to a lonely windswept beach. Behind some rocks was a small dinghy. Clue is left for us, said Basil. Are you armed? I patted the revolver in my back pocket and we are dealing with dangerous ruffians. You can still return to the safety of the inn. I squared my shoulders. Stuff and nonsense. We started this together and we'll finish it together. His eyes twinkled. If it doesn't finish us fast. Far across the water gleamed the lights of the yacht. We got the dinghy afloat and rowed softly and silently toward the Victoria. An enormous moon hung low in the sky. I bent to the oars, wondering idly about the truth of the old saying that the moon is made of green cheese. We could hear the crew singing a rockling sea chanty the voices grew louder, and quite suddenly the yacht loomed before us. A rope ladder hung over the side of the vessel. Unobserved, we climbed up stealthily. We went below decks. After opening the doors of several cabins and peering within, Basil cried, At last, a typewriter. Let us hope it is the one I am seeking. He took the kidnapper's letter from his pocket and put a blank sheet of paper in the machine. I watched as he copied the note word for word. Then he whipped out a pocket lens and compared the two notes. There is no doubt of it, Dawson. The original was typed on this machine. But isn't all typewriting more or less alike? My dear fellow, that is not so. Typewriting can definitely be identified as the work of a certain machine. We judge it as we judge handwriting. Each typewriter has its own habits, even when it is in perfect condition, and this one is not. Let us take these two notes, for example. Interested, I looked over his shoulder. Notice the peculiar slant to the letter L, he pointed out, and observe that each capital B is minus part of its stem and that every period has punched a hole through the paper. No two typewriters are exactly alike, yet the typing of these two notes is almost identical. Therefore, they are both the work of the same machine. Remarkable, I exclaimed, yet it seems so simple when properly explained. Hey, you must have put a great deal of study on the subject. True, a detective must be an expert in many fields. Suddenly, he pricked up his ears, Hark! I heard swiftly running footfalls from above, coming closer and closer. Basil crammed both notes into his pocket, remembered Dolson. We have the evidence, but the criminals have not been caught. Now we shall meet them in person, precisely as I planned. Two of their spies were in their dining room of the inn, and I made certain that they overheard where we were going. Here they come. Put up a good fight. The door swung open and the Terrible Three came charging in, followed by several husky sailors. <laughs> Chapter Eleven Captured by the Terrible Three At once Basil hurled himself forward, fly- fighting like a wildcat. I myself battled with a strength I never dreamed I had, tackling one enemy after another. Then two of them sat on me, and I was powerless to move. I saw that my muscular friend was being held down by several sailors. He had already knocked three of them senseless, but we were only two against many, and we were soon disarmed and tightly bound. The terrible three stood over us, scowling. "'I to heard you say you were coming here,' said one of them. "'You're no ship's captain, and you ain't no first mate. "'Who are you, and why did you sneak aboard?' "'You may not recognize me,' declared Basil calmly but I can name each one of you. Barney the bank robber, Freddy the forger, and Percy the pickpocket. Now you've become kidnappers. In the name of our good gracious queen, commit no more crimes. Freddy the forger rubbed at Basil's cheek. Some of the grease paint came off. In the skies, eh? Well, shiver my timbers if it ain't our old enemy, Basil, the scientific sleuth. And Doc Garzin, too. What a catch! It's you who'll be caught, said Basil sternly, and you'll pay for your crimes. I'll see to it. Not a chance, you snook. You'll be busy buying time with the fishers at the bottom of the ocean. Percy the Pickpocket laughed harshly. Don't you trap, I say. Tomorrow our gang goes to Baker Street to chase everybody out. As for the twins, we'll keep them ourselves. So That'll teach you to stick your nose into our business. Take them on deck, crew, ordered Barney, Barney the bank robber. We'll soon be up to heave them overboard. It'll be more fun than burgling the Bank of England. We were carried above and dumped on deck the sailors turned their backs and began singing again. Basil squirmed close. Dawson, the ropes! I had visited my dentist recently, and my teeth were in excellent condition. Bending my head, I gnawed steadily away until Basil was free. At once, he stood up and gave three loud, sharp squeaks. Dozens of police, led by Constable Cluess, came swarming over the rails of the yacht. It was a bitter battle, but the forces of law and order won. Cluess tipped his cap to Basil. I thought you never gave the signal, sir. Our Boats were waiting on the starboard side ready to carry out your plan. Well done. Basil handed him the kidnapped note. This evidence will put the terrible three behind bars. The typewriter is below. Take it with you. The constable paused. I trust the police will receive some of the credit for the capture? Tut. Tut Lewis! all the credit will go to you and your brave force. Leave my name out of it. Then he beamed most happily at the terrible three, whose faces were as black as thunderclouds. So your scheme failed, eh? <laughs> In his poem, To a Mouse, Robert Burns, a wise human poet wrote, The best laid schemes of mice and men, Gang of Aftas Algae. I often wish that Burns had been a mouse. He, lift, he lit his mere wood pipe. And now, my not-so-terrible three, where are the twins? Well, never squeal. I shouted hoarsely. Then I'll find out for myself, and I wish you all a nice long vacation in Mousemore prison. <laughs> Chapter 12 Harry Hawkins Talks It was well past midnight when a police launch put us ashore. "'Will you need any help, sir?' asked Clewis. "'No, thank you, Constable. "'I believe we can handle the rest of this matter ourselves.' "'A chill wind was blowing as we made our way back to town. "'We passed the inn, and I thought longingly of my comfortable bed. "'But Basil did not stop. "'He strode on so rapidly that I had difficulty in keeping pace. We went along wide, spacious avenues lined with beautiful homes. Then the wide avenues gave way to narrow, crooked lanes. The houses grew smaller and shabbier and were crowded close together. At last, Basil halted before a neat, Humble down dwelling at the end of a grass grown lane. The upper windows were dark, but a dim light burned downstairs. Basil crept close and peeped inside. Way well, luck, he whispered. There's Hawkins dozing in his rocker. We dare not ring the bell at this hour. I'll fling some pebbles at the window. The rattle of the pebbles awoke Hawkins, who rubbed his eyes and looked sheepishly about. Basil tapped lightly on the pane until the carpenter saw him and came to the window. What are you all so late at night, Captain? You had better step outside, said Basil in a low voice, unless you wish your wife to know of your connection with the terrible three. The carpenter cringed and rushed outside. Who are you and what do you want of me? Then you don't recognize us, Hawkins. I am Basil of Baker Street, and this is Dr. Dawson. He stared hard at us. I'd have never a known you, sirs. Did you track me down all the way from London? Never mind that, that replied Basil sternly. Where have you hidden Angela and Agatha? Hawkins was terrified. I can't tell you. They threatened you then. The carpenter hugged his head. The one thing on earth I'm afraid of is those three. There's no telling what they'd do to my family if I talk. That I deduced correctly, remarked Basil. You were dragged into this against your will. I'll tell you as much as I can, Mr. Basil. Me and mine have always been straight honest folk. The Terrible Three asked me to do some cabinet work on their yacht. Jobs were scarce, and not knowing who they were, I agreed. I had my family to feed, but one day I heard them talk of kidnapping the twins. I said I'd go to the police, but they just laughed. and I'd never see my own young ones again if I went. Scarred me half out of my wits, they did. That one of them said, let's make him deliver the note and have him hide the twins instead of having one of the gang do it that he won't run tail under the law. No, I mightn't up to my neck just as deep as they are, but I had to help them on account of my family. Set your fears at rest, said Basil. They will menace you no more, for they are in prison. Thank heavens! Hawkins fell to his knees and clutched at the detective's legs. But does this mean I'll go to jail too? Spare me, I beg of you. You think of my good wife and my eight young young'uns? Such a disgrace would break their hearts. It is precisely they of whom I am thinking. Take us to the twins, and I promise that the police will know nothing of what you did. But if the terrible three reveal your part in this affair, I'll see to it that you get a light sentence, or none at all. The honest life you've led will be in your favor, and so will the fact that you were forced into this. Tears of gratitude sprang into Hawkins' eyes as Basil helped him to his feet. Thank you, sir. The twins are in an old deserted barn in the woods outside Mousecliff. I'll take you to them myself. Nice, sweet children they are. I've tried to be kind to the poor little things. I am well aware of that, said Basil. You brought extra food for them and sweets. Hawkins' mouth hung up. How did you know? No matter. Let us start at once. Right, sir. I'll fetch a lantern. He hurried us through the town, taking a shortcut, and soon we were entering the woods. He was in a cheerier frame of mind now that he had confessed. It's like a load has been lifted off of my shoulders. I'll gladly face my punishment, and then I'll... Make a new start in life. The faint gleam of his lantern guided us. It was raining and our clothes were soaked through. Even in dry weather, going through such dense forest would have been difficult. The rain fell, grew heavier, and often we sank in mud up to our ankles. Despite these discomforts, I was in high spirits. In a little while, we would find the twins, and this dangerous case would be closed. (laughs) No part of this episode may be reproduced without my personal permission. Railfan Roberts Reading Railroad is a production of Raccoon Gaming Rail's Railroad Productions. And all, all podcast episodes are owned by Raccoon Gaming Rail's Railroad Productions.